This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here and this is the We Spin Recipes episode number 71. It's been a few dozen episodes, I believe, since I reintroduced the show to the new listeners, so let me do it now real quick. If you are new to the podcast, Whispin Recipes is a weekly show, uh, used to be out each Friday, now uh, we moved it to Mondays, uh, where I talk to various specialists in the music industry, successful artists and also music tech startup founders quite often, with the goal of bringing interesting thoughts and insights to musicians and fellow music business professionals. The podcast is called after the wispin.co growth training and community platform, which is just $15 per month, comes with a free trial, so you can check it out anytime. And both this show and Wispin are parts of Dotted Music, which is a music marketing agency serving music brands. If you're an artist or a startup or a record label or management company looking for growth or for yourself or the projects you manage, hit us up using the format agency.datamusic.com or email me at andrew at wispin.co and mention that you learned about us through the podcast for some additional freebies. Now to today's show. My guest today is Devla Trainer, a colleague in a way, as she runs a music industry podcast called The One Sheet. She's got a very impressive experience in the music industry, as you will learn from Devla yourself in just a few minutes. Also, in this interview, you're about to hear some brilliant tips on networking, accepting failure as a learning opportunity, crafting a strong brand image, and so much more. It's just a 30 minutes conversation filled with uh, lots of practical advice. I hope you enjoy it, and don't forget to subscribe to our show if you haven't yet. And, of course, to the one sheet. Uh, the link is in the show notes at wispin.co forward slash WSR71 and you can also find out more at the onesheet.ca. And as a side note, despite the drunk Tim Ferriss reference in the conversation, I may sound a bit funkier than usual, but that's because I just returned from a dentist. I um, didn't drink anything before recording this intro, so just a heads up. Now, welcome Devla at the Whisping Recipes podcast. First of all, thank you a lot for agreeing to be guest on my show. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. I'm looking forward to uh, being the interviewee for once instead of the interviewer. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I hear you well here. I mean, you, you've been doing quite a lot of interviews lately and we are going to get to that topic very quickly. But first mm-hmm. of all, do you mind a little bit of an introduction on yourself and uh, like sharing backgrounds of yours in the music industry in particular? Sure. So I guess it started out, I was a, a singer recording artist. I did that for about two years and I had, you know, some mild success. I had some song placements on TV shows and some big brands used my songs for their campaign ads, but I kind of realized that I wasn't meant to pursue the musician side professionally, but I love the industry. So I wanted to learn more about the business. So I worked at Sony for a little bit in the marketing and A&R department. And I, I really enjoyed A&R because 
you're really hands-on, you're going out to shows. And then, you know, you have a part in developing that talent. You know, you're really close to the music. Whereas marketing, you kind of already have the product and then your job is to get it out to the masses. And then a position came available at a booking agency, Mm -hmm. the Feldman agency, and someone recommended me to apply. And I had a background in real estate. So I had sales and then with being a musician, it kind of fit nicely. So I worked there for three and a half years. Some of the artists that my company represents are Rush, Brian Adams, Sarah McLaughlin, Tragically Hip. Uh, They're quite big in Canada. (laughs) There's many more, Michael Buble, it goes on. But while I was there, I had access to a lot of very high profile people within the music industry, you know, CEOs of radio stations and record labels and production companies. So I also started getting into mentoring people. And I'm also a voice actor. So I thought, okay, combine voice acting with mentoring and with my access to these people who are at the top of their game and their respective field in the industry. And I thought I'd start a podcast. And I was a bit obsessed with Tim Ferriss's podcast. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, I've been really a fan of his uh, stuff and lately. I mean, I, good, I, eh? I mean, books for a few years, but uh, I, I'm really hooked with like the, his podcast is great. And um, when you hear this kind of person, very, I don't know, natural environment, he's, he's just, I don't know. I really like the format and it encourages to record more episodes yeah. sometimes. Yeah, he really knows how to break it down and he asks the right questions. So I may have stolen a few of his questions for my own podcast. <laughs> and he explained recently that how he wasn't that good on his early episodes, but he learned as uh, like throughout uh, the, the history of the, of the podcast, he uh, got better at this. So I think he mentioned he was plainly drunk in the first two episodes. But... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I really like the formats and the kind of stuff that he covers in this one-on-one conversation. So we have a similar thing here in terms of the format. So it's usually just, yeah, just one guest. And I see that you've got the same formats. And uh, tell me a bit more. So uh, what kind of topics have you been uh, covering on the shows? And what, what kind of stuff have you been discussing with the guests? And maybe mention a few names. Yeah, so it had started out with My main target were people who were trying to get into the business side. I started realizing there were a lot of musicians listening as well. So I kind of tailor it to both demographics, but I keep it on the business side. So basically like how to develop your career as a musician. And I've had, I've had anyone from Adrian Strong, who is a radio promoter and uh, he's worked with the biggest client that you probably know is The Weeknd. And Omi, that uh, he's quite in tight with that family. I have done, oh, now that I'm on the spot, I'm like trying to think. Eric Alper, he's a social media guru. He also has a Sirius XM radio show and he has about a million followers on Twitter. Uh, so we talk about social media that episode. Most recently, we did, I just posted Richard Mills. He's a booking agent and he represents. Uh, one of the, Sean Mendez, he's probably the biggest artist right now. Is he big? I think he's big worldwide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've had a lot, uh, a lot of different people, anywhere from, you know, PR and marketing to radio to production, vocal coach, manager of, you know, Simple Plan. Yeah, quite, 
It ranges. I'm trying to get a tour manager in a front of house soon, but I'm trying to figure out who that person will be. Awesome. No, I mean, so many great names here. It's it's very impressive. Uh, so my question to you here, do you mind sharing uh, even just one story that really stood out from what you've heard as, you know, as a way to tease your podcast in, uh, in a different way and just share what kind of stuff uh, your guests may be sharing? So maybe something related to well-known artists or I just don't, any kind of story? Yeah, I mean... It's not necessarily an educational one, but Warren Kopnick, he is the uh, head of A&R and media relations at Sony Music. It was just, it was funny. His wife, I think he missed an anniversary and his wife was upset with him. So he got NSYNC to show up at their house and sing a song to her. (laughs) And yeah, it it was pretty funny. He's had the Backstreet Boys crashing on the couch at his house before. I'm trying to think what else. No, no, that, that's, that's, that's cool stuff. I mean, I can imagine that these people do have uh, some interesting stories to share. Stories, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just it's quite fascinating to, yeah, sometimes you just occasionally get some kind of um, interesting life stories from your guests, but uh, oftentimes they become kind of highlights of uh, even whole episodes. Of course, yeah. we are linking to your show in the show notes, so it's very easy to find you on iTunes and there is the website. So to anyone listening to us right now, it's the one sheet and it's quite easy to find the podcast to check it out and all the previous episodes. So I get the point that you've got um, uh, these business, music business focus mainly here mm-hmm. uh, and I do appreciate it quite a lot. Any highlights uh, in terms of the industry trends of latest that um, you also may highlight and something that you hear from your guests more often than uh, other things? I would have to say networking has come up a lot. I'm sure you get that as well, that it's very much a business about relationships. It's about, I mean, of course you need to be good at your job, but it's very much about who you know. And I mean, I started out, you know, I've only been in the industry maybe six years, but I didn't know a single person. Sorry, I knew a single person. Someone did a guest lecture at a course I was taking once and he was, he worked at Sony Music and through him, then I I built my way up. But, you know, you don't have to have existing relationships. You don't have to have parents who are rock stars. You can get into, you know, what I like to say is like the center of the bullseye of the music industry. And you don't have to know anyone before, but you really have to go out there and take the time to meet people and get to know them and make it more a lifestyle than a job. My social life was my job. You know, I, you go out to shows four or five nights a week and you'll show up alone because, you know, there's three or four other people there who are also, they work with you or they're just colleagues in different companies. Your social life is your work life. It's still a fun life, <laughs> but yeah, getting out there and just making friends with people, that has gotten a lot of people a lot of places. Another one I would have to say is uh, accepting failure as a, as a learning opportunity. Most of these people have tried things and failed miserably and tried more things and failed more times than they can count, but you know, they just keep getting back up and they've learned from those and that's how they've gotten to where they are. It's not because they failed once and then they thought, oh, I'm, 
worthless. I might as well just go back into mediocrity. They say, okay, what did I do wrong? How can I fix this? And how can I do better the next time? Yeah, that's a great one. Do you have anything else that comes to mind? Another thing, I mean, not that I want to, I find a lot of these people have, they've kind of carved their own path. A lot of them have created their own opportunities. They haven't necessarily, some have gone to school and, you know, that, that is important. You can learn a lot, but a lot of people just learn through experience and they just got out there. Um, again, I think it's more, if you really, really want it, you can make it happen and you will learn, not necessarily in the traditional sense, but for example, like Joel Stewart, he was the director of CMT's country music television. He does live to air shows and, you know, he started out making music videos for his friends and then it eventually just snowballed and now he is where he is. Jessica yeah. Lemon, she does festival and event production. And do you know the Corona Sunset Fests? They're all around the world. They're, yeah, sounds very, very familiar. Yeah, she produces all of those. And, you know, it started out, she would sneak in to shows. She would drive from Edmonton to Vancouver in Canada, which is, I think, at least a 10-hour drive. Sneak into shows because she was underage. And she just did that enough that she ended up, you know, managing an artist, just someone small. And then it snowballed into, she ended up doing tour managing and it just, she kind of created opportunities and she never said no. They, mm -hmm. Someone needed a drum tech once and they said, will you be a drum tech? And she said, yeah, sure. So she went home and she spent the whole night Googling, what does a drum tech do? <laughs> But she never say no to an opportunity. That's impressive. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very much as creative on the business side as it is sometimes on the musician side. You know, you're, you're creating these opportunities that didn't necessarily exist before. Yeah, I, I hear. And uh, unfortunately, some, some artists give up too, uh, too soon, it seems, uh, especially these days, going back to the second point that you mentioned, applies to any business or starting, I don't know, running a startup or anything that you need to fail numerous times and uh, you need to experiment and try many things before you actually achieve success. And um, maybe it's a part of the modern, just the, the culture or this internet edge that people expect immediate results. Success, yeah, yeah, and absolutely about the success. And um, it really, do you think it's uh, harder these days than in the past to build a successful career in music specifically? I think that there's a lot more opportunity to get your music heard. There's a lot of artists out there who aren't world famous superstars, but they're making a very good living off of, you know, that medium sized fan base. So there are a lot of opportunities out there still. And it's just a bit tougher to make money nowadays. I mean, performing live is becoming more and more important because that's how, that's one of the main ways that artists make their money anymore. They also, through TV and sync placements, those kind of, those seem to be the two main avenues of money. So if you're a great live performer, then I think you'll do, you'll have a, a better shot. Mm -hmm. If you're not, then that's maybe something you should focus on. But uh, it, it really depends on 
what type of music you're pursuing as well. Yeah, and I'm yeah. glad that you mentioned that there is quite a lot of artists who are successful, but we may not be aware of them unless we're in a specific music niche or just know them. So that's an interesting phenomena. It's not brand new, but uh, it, it's very important to be reminded about that. So it's not just that frustrating that, I mean, a lot of musicians uh, struggle to build a, f- a fan base, to monetize their work, to earn through different means. And uh, it feels like there is just, yeah, the only <laughs> the only way is to quit the industry altogether if you have to make a living with that. So it's tough, it's difficult, but it's possible. And uh, I guess you have seen quite a lot of examples yourself where musicians yeah. have achieved that. Now, the good thing is, I mean, there's a lot, because there's so many more ways of discovering music out there, those people who have a bit more of a niche sound, their potential fan base can find them easier too. They just need to do research on where do fans go to find that type of music online, you know, or see about maybe getting on some playlists on Spotify or Google Play Music. There's a lot more opportunities to get found. And, you know, with Shazam nowadays too, if someone likes a song, they look it up. I guess it's easier and it's harder because it's, you know, you can get mixed up in all the shuffle because anyone can produce you know, a decent sounding song or album nowadays with the technology that we have. But at the same time, I guess there's a lot of yeah. bad music out there. That <laughs> well, yeah, it's, in, it's, it's a part of the whole process. We've like the more accessible it becomes and uh, yeah, with lack of, uh, yeah, I mean, we, it, it's, it's just so easy to, to get this stuff out there uh, without any kind of filters. It sometimes leads to some lower quality music appearing online, for example. But that's why the music curation is important and so on. Yeah, but so I uh, want to get back to the uh, point that you mentioned earlier about networking. We do cover it quite a lot on the podcast and uh, many guests have mentioned that. And uh, I don't know, it's every time there is something new about that topic that is somehow useful. So I do think that this is a very important part of building a successful career. For many artists I've been working with and I've, I've seen on Wispin and so on, it's pretty difficult to get to know people in real life because they just live in some areas where there is not a lot of live shows, for example. And um, then it comes down to not how you communicate with a person when you just meet them in real life, but to your online communication skills. And oftentimes it's a bit different uh, set of skills because the person may be great in just chit-chatting or just talking to people, meeting strangers, but when it comes down to, I don't know, email, etiquette, or just how an artist communicates on social media, there may be some issues from your experience. So have you, do you have any kind of set recommendations for musicians on communicating and specifically networking online. So not just talking to fans, but making friends with people in the industry. Yeah. I'm just trying to think when people reached out to me, if you're ever in town doing a show, you know, just say you're touring, send an invite, a personal invite out to be specific. Don't send it to everyone. A few times, you know, I would get an invitation to a show and then I'd say to someone else in the office, oh, you know, an artist uh, touched base with me. They want me to see the show. And they said, oh yeah, I got that too. And then you ask someone else, they say, oh yeah, I got that too. And it turns out they sent it to everybody in the agency. Yeah. And then you think, okay, that's just spam. I'm, 
I'm not going to bother going unless you really, really, really like the music. But most of the time, it's not like that. I've received a lot of emails in the past, big, big, long, like three or four paragraph emails. And in the end, they don't have a specific request. You kind of think, I don't even know what you're, you want from me, but you've told me how great you are and how your music is like no other, which is a very rare situation. Everyone's music sounds similar to something. But uh, be concise to the point if you're going to write an email, follow up. It's amazing how few people follow up. When someone actually does follow up, then I usually say, oh, I'm sorry, yes. Sometimes it's three times. It blows my mind how few people just send a follow-up email. Maybe wait a week or so because they're busy. I would get 150 to 200 emails a day. So, you know, you don't have time to read a very long email and try and, you know, decode what they're trying to ask from you. Just say, hey, I'm a musician. Here's some links to my music. I'm going to be in town this day. Or I would love to have, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of your time for a Skype call. Like if you're not in the the same city, Mm -hmm. that's how I made a lot of my connections. I would just touch base with people. I'd never talked to them before. And I said, you know, I, I really like what you do, you know, make it personal. Say, I, I want to speak to you because of this and this that you do. Would you have some time in the next couple of weeks for a 10 or 15 minute call? Most of the time they'll go much longer. I did most of mine in person, but if someone, if you ask someone to Skype, I'm sure they, most of the time people are pretty open to helping out. I mean, yeah. yeah. Especially the driven people, I find they recognize other driven people. You know, if if you are proactive and you're asking for some of their time, it shows that you really want it. So great, great tips. So uh, being yeah. uh, being very specific and uh, trying to avoid uh, very long emails to yeah. when you and you're contacting uh, important people and calls emailing people. Uh, I would say because maybe sometimes long e- emails are fine when you're communicating with someone you know already. So that uh, having a call, uh, clear call to action, which is absolutely, I mean, it's so important. It's so, yeah, it's fascinating how <laughs> how many musicians actually miss these points, even when they are reaching out to someone when they want something in return, but they fail to specify what exactly, or yeah. also specify a bit wrong call to action because sometimes it may be way too direct. And we had some good recommendations on this show too. So asking for feedback instead of a review, for example. So you may, yeah, so these kind of little tricks may help you. And then, as you mentioned, following up, it's just, I mean, this is something that you can learn from a publicist uh, who reach out to media trying to secure some features for artists, for example. And it's uh, it applies to everything and to musicians reaching out to industry people. So following up is crucial. So yeah, so the, the, I, I just wanted to... Yeah, to revisit these three great tips here. Yeah, I'd also say, you know, when you do meet with that person or get that call, have questions ready, you know, have specific questions. You know, if if it's a booking agent, say, you know, ask them, you know, what would they be looking for before they're ready to sign someone or, you know, some insight on how to book, to self-book a tour. A lot of Musicians, you know, you, you have to kind of do it yourself at the beginning nowadays. So you just know what you want to ask from these people. I would actually go and I would have a list of questions and I'd say, Sarah, do you mind? I've got the questions. I'm just going to pull them up. <laughs> and 
And most of the time they were impressed. They said, wow, you really prepared for it. I mean, just showing that, you know, you want this and you know what you want, you're specific, you're not wasting their time. And that's the big thing. It's a huge thing. Appreciating time of people in the industry is very important. What kind of questions would you expect from musicianism in a, at a label? Oh, wow. It's funny because I just, I don't know if I should mention this, but I just interviewed the vice president of A&R at Warner last week. So we were talking about that as well. Yeah, I haven't aired that yet. It might be, I think it'll be in a little bit. I only release bi-weekly, so... No, so I mean, it, it will be a couple of weeks till till we release this one. So yeah, I'll, I'll oh. double check on that. Okay. The biggest thing is just write good songs. I mean, it, if they want to know what it takes to get signed by a label, just write and try writing with different people. I mean, whether that song itself gets chosen as your next single or you just learn something, you know, you will, it will help your writing style. Or if you're, you know, a performer and you don't know how to write, maybe ask them, say, do you have some writers that you could recommend to me that I could reach out to? The biggest thing to get started is having good music. I mean, at the end of the day, if the song's not good. No, it's not going to go anywhere. You know, you could be a Victoria's Secret model, but if you don't have a good song, no one's going to listen to your music. <laughs> so focus on developing good music. If you don't know how to write, I would ask if you get the chance to ask to talk to someone on the A&R side, ask them if they can recommend some people to write with. Ask them if they can recommend some producers or just uh, maybe ask them what one of their recent signings did to get them to notice them as well. You know, get some tips on, okay, well, how did that other artist get you to notice them and get you to sign them? These are really good ones. By the way, just got so interested in, in your thoughts on um, how annoyed in a person can be if an artist who is being signed already ask about some other signings, some other artists on the label. Do you think it can ever be an issue or is it just way too random? I don't think so. I mean, I think you learn from seeing what others do. I hope not because I had a full conversation with this the VP of Fan Art Warner. I asked him to go through a case study with me of one of the artists. <laughs> And so when I interview, I try and ask questions that the artists would want to ask if they had mm -hmm. that opportunity. So I actually, I did that. I went through a case study and I said, you know, what was it that made this specific artist stand out? And then once you signed them, what were the steps from there to help them to grow their career? And could these steps be taken on by an artist that wasn't necessarily signed to a label? I mean, of course, the label has more resources and money, but... The aim was if someone's listening, maybe they don't want to get signed to a major label, but they could still get relevant information from that process of what it takes to get noticed and then how to develop from there to become, you know, a top 10 radio artist or, you mm -hmm. know, on the major blogs or something. Since you mentioned that you've been asking questions that artists may want to uh, to ask uh, your guests, uh, one thing that... Uh, comes up pretty often uh, when we talk to musicians is also related to being signed to a major or a big indie label. We've got quite a lot of electronic music producers listening to the show and uh, there's a bunch of big respected labels that may not necessarily be 
part of major labels just yet. Maybe just yet, but still, it's the goal to be signed. It's uh, even more important than in some other genres, I, I would say. And uh, maybe you could mention some of the other things besides the music that uh, labels uh, maybe looking into that may help art- an artist uh, to get signed. Because there is this thing that, like, if you just uh, put out a new track and it's great and it's uh, it could be signed but you don't have too much background and released music it may be more difficult to catch attention of a label so maybe this kind of stuff on what from your experience and from the from what you've heard from others it seems to be more about finding your niche so you know if you're really great on social media it's about engaging people and building the followers through that if you are have a wacky style, you know, use that. It's if you're a great performer, use that. If you have got, you know, a specific look, you also have to want to, I mean, yeah, I was going to say most musicians, I guess they're willing to put uh, the effort into, but it's really important to know a bit about the business side. I mean, Madonna, I've heard that she knows exactly what a booking agent does. She knows exactly what a manager's roles are. She knows exactly, she knows every aspect of the business that surrounds her career. She doesn't personally take care of it, but she knows how it works. And she made a point of that early in her career to know everything surrounding her business. And although other people are handling different parts, she understood what was going on and she could ask them questions. So I think, I mean, it's important. It's not necessary, but you have to have not just, you could be just a great songwriter, actually. It really, it really varies. Sorry, that's not a very clear answer. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's uh, yeah, I, I'm following you here. Like if you're, if you've got a great solid business sense and you're, you know, a very talented singer, then that helps. Or if you're just a very gifted songwriter, that helps. If you have a really unique image and you're a gifted songwriter, then they can give you vocal lessons, you know, or guitar lessons or, you know, pair you up with the right band. If you're, you know, looking to add new members to your band, it's, it's not a clear equation. And it sounds like, yeah, showing what's the uh, strong parts and uh, what's so, so special about you, be it charisma or something else about your image is important. It's something that I've I've been feeling lately that this problem that that many artists and brands overall it, it's not applicable just to musicians have is that they don't open up in full and show these sides of them that maybe it may feel uh, not comfortable showing even some of your interests or just uh, acting in a way that is natural to you and all artists usually want to have their artist images be somehow different from their just day-to-day lives. But most of the artists that succeed, they do <laughs> that, you know, they make this step and they show themselves how, whoever they are. Yeah, it's find what makes you unique and then personify that, you know, amplify that. There, what's their new name? Oh, shoot, I'm forgetting the name. There's one band and they're just lazy. They They write great, songs or catchy tunes, but they show up in just like old t-shirts that have, you know, holes in them from moss that have eaten them. And 
they look like they just rolled out of bed and they don't like getting dressed up. So instead they're like, okay, well, why don't we just amplify the fact that we're lazy and just look like that, you know, make it obvious that, yeah, that's our image. And it works well. It works with the music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, the, I hope that uh, uh, this conversation with us just talking about this stuff makes uh, a listener think on what kind of things can be ha- could be highlighted in their image. It's really it's tough. Yeah, it's tough yeah. for sure. And it, it is uncomfortable. Yeah. An exercise that I did, it's, it's kind of awkward, but I mean, you get over it. A big thing is you need to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to get ahead. Every time I've made myself uncomfortable in some sort of way, it's always led to something better or, you know, helping me along in some sort of way. So this exercise, reach out to say five of your friends and get them to send you a list of 10 words that describe you. And it gives you an overall idea of how you're perceived. I did it with 10 people, which is a bit of an, yeah, it's kind of weird just sending messages. Hey, can you describe me in 10 words? And then when they bring it back, then you find the top, you know, three or four that really, that pop up the most and then go back and say, pick one of those to all those friends and then use that as a launch pad for, okay, how can I make that into a brand? I like this one. Were you surprised by what you saw? You know what? No. Well, a little bit. It was nice that people see me. It was nice to hear that people thought of me the way that I was hoping to portray myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If that helps. Yeah, yeah. Or if that makes sense. Yeah. So. I like that one. So can you tell us where can we find out more? Can we, where can we, you know, learn from you specifically? And uh, one, one question also is if you provide coaching services to musicians? Do you consult artists these days? I don't. Actually, funny you say that. I've been thinking of getting into that. No, but I'm happy to chat for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes if if someone is proactive enough to get out there and send me an email <laughs> that is concise. Yeah. I mean, info at the one sheet.ca. That's the email address. And yeah, I, I think uh, you're always learning. I'm always learning. I mean, You never stop learning. And that was the goal of my podcast. I'm sure it's the goal of your podcast. Just to, you know, there's always something you're going to get out of each new episode. Yeah. And it's just helping you to overall get a, gen- a better understanding of how everything works and how you can use different aspects to boost your career. And at this point, moment, I just want to remind everyone to subscribe to your podcast. It's just, uh, I mean, it's great and uh, absolutely worth being subscribed to Thank and you. listening to. Lots of, uh, and, and I will be a regular listener. I already became one. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it sounds great. Once again, all the links are in the show notes, so it's very easy to find to find it. If someone is on the go on, on, on your mobile, for example, you can just type the one sheets in the podcast podcasting app, whatever you use. Yeah, so any any other closing forward recommendations to our listener? Maybe music industry professional, or maybe an artist, before we wrap it up? Just keep going. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. Carly Rae Jepsen, she was going for years. She got dropped by her agent. It was just, you know, one thing after another. She kept going and then she had that global hit, you know? I mean, 
It seemed like she was an overnight success, but she'd been going for years and years. And just get out there, put yourself out there, try and meet and talk to as many people as possible while respecting their time and be persistent, but not annoying. <laughs> Excellent. I really appreciate the summary. <laughs> Great. Thank you well, so thank much. Thank you. Yeah, take care. And as usual, thank you, the listener, for staying with us till the end of the episode. If you liked it, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. You can learn how to get a cool free postcard along the way at getacard.wispin.co. A like or a comment on SoundCloud will also be very appreciated. And uh, to find out more about the one sheet, go to theonesheet.ca or wispin.co forward slash WSR71 for the show notes. All the links are in there at the bottom of the page. Hope you have a fruitful week. Keep working on your craft and growing your brand and watch out for a new episode next Monday. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We Spin12.